Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. It's been a while. We did our YouTube, our first YouTube video uh, last time around, but this time it's back to focusing on Saints. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. So, Callum, Saints came back from 2-0 down to win a game. That's a bit uh, unprecedented for the side right now. Yeah, yeah, we're used to it being the other way around, really. Yeah. Constantly watching uh, Sky and every time Saints take the lead, inevitable graphic comes up. Losing uh, losing points from winning positions since Hassan or since Hughes or, or since last week. There's always something. And, yeah, I must, I must say, when um, we went... 2-0 down to Burnley I like like most others kind of felt uh, felt slightly deflated and, and wondering where this team was going because we've had such a hard time of it to be 2-0 um, down at home in first, inside the first half an hour to to you know, pretty average Burnley side I just thought to myself what well, you know whatever we did have about us we seem to have completely lost mm. so I think it was absolutely massive for the team for belief and for the manager, I think as well that those those three goals and that result, I think you know hopefully will be a big turning point. But obviously, there's still work to do. I was exactly the same as you when the when the Vidra goal went. Well, well first of all, when when the penalty was given with VAR, I just thought, well, we started the game brightly and now it's gone to pot. And then Vidra pretty much scored an identical goal to what he did against us last season, except it went in the bottom corner this time. He seems to turn into prime prime Ronaldo when he plays against us. But yeah, like you, I was feeling pretty deflated. I was thinking, where do we go from here? We're 2-0 down at home to Burnley. It's going to be yet another defeat. But we did something that we haven't seen in a long time, and that's actually have a brilliant second half performance. Yeah, well, I believe you put out a tweet on the on the podcast, even didn't you? It's sort of two 0 down. So, yeah. Oh well, well, that's that then. You know, like everyone's kind of thinking. You know, we've had some a tough run, and uh, and then we pinpointed a few weeks ago these this run of games that we're now sort of firmly in the middle of, and and haven't really managed to be picking up points against the likes of of uh, Brighton, for instance. And then, um, yeah, this one come along, another home game. We seem to be losing 2-0 to Burnley. But it, was, um, it wasn't just the second half. I mean, it was, it was the reaction to going two goals mm. down. I think it was really important that we got that goal, uh, that snapshot from Armstrong after some neat work outside the box by Danny Ings. And, and the goal came in not too long after the, uh, the second, that Vidra goal for, for Burnley, which was huge because... The longer you're 2-0 down, the more difficult it is to get back into the game. So we got it back to that one goal deficit really quickly, which was was vital. And we uh, we sort of latched onto a bit of a gift just before half time, and it was uh, really well taken by Ings. But again, you know, Ings was completely instrumental in both those goals. And uh, by half time, you know, we're in the ascendancy. You make a really good point about that goal being the, the one from Armstrong being so crucial because, you know, Burnley have just gone 2-0 up there feeling really, really high and then suddenly we've got a goal back and the momentum of the game has completely shifted because we've suddenly gone from disbelief to thinking, hang on, this is not over yet. We've got a goal back instantly. It's not like we've scored with five minutes to go and then we've had a, you know, sort of five-minute barrage of trying to get past a, a low block, as it were. No, we got back into it instantly. Great finish from Armstrong. The, the finish from Ings is is what we've missed from him in a long time. That sort of that arrogance, as it were. He had Walcott, who he could have just squared it to for an open goal, but he thought, no, nah, I'm going to nutmeg the keeper instead. And we've missed that. We've missed that from Ings. He's been in and out of games recently, but against Burnley, especially in that first half, he was absolutely on it. And, you know, to read the ball past me, to then have that little burst of pace to get ahead of him, to completely send Tarkovsky to the shops as well. I mean, he's probably still sliding, that man. And then put it under Pope brilliantly, even though Walcott's completely free, it would be a tap-in from about a yard out. We've missed that from Ings. And now, I mean, the result essentially makes us safe. Now, we, we saw from last season that Saints, with no pressure on them, play brilliantly. That's when we play our best football. So maybe we might see a similar end to the season that we had last season, maybe. Yeah, yeah, per perhaps. I mean, we're just... I'm just happy to get the three points because it puts us, as you say, on on 36 points. We were we were 10 points ahead of, of the kind of 
18th spot and relegation. And really, you know, we should be able to concentrate ourselves now um, on the FA Cup. But next up, you know, there's a game against West Brom and and, and they've uh, just come off the back of a good result. So, you know, every single game is, is going to be tough. Um, and West Brom are now, you know, maybe have a bit of an outside chance of, of staying up. You could argue the same for most teams. If, if they're like West Brom, I thought they were pretty much dead and buried and have the freedom to go to Stanford Bridge and, and put on that display. But one person I did want to talk about before we before we um, head off away from, from the, the, the Burnley result, because uh, it was you know, such a vital result for the team in the season. We said a few weeks ago how you know a couple of wins, including this Burnley game, would set Saints up to really manage their squad with the prime goal being the FA Cup. Um, and, and the winner came uh, from an unfamiliar source, but in, in recent weeks becoming more and more familiar and uh, someone who really seems to have turned their game around uh, from someone who is flattered to deceive. And I, I think being, you know, you could probably argue that he's, he's, he's underperformed and been disappointed since he signed for the club. Nathan Redmond, always been someone that you feel has the talent to 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 do something against teams and, and go at teams. And we're seeing it more and more. And he's definitely 100% a confidence player because he regularly he was just giving the ball away. He's someone who had so much pace but would slow attacks down and come back on his right foot, come backwards on that left wing, go backwards, sometimes giving the ball away, doing the easy thing. And, and that's why fans got frustrated, but kind of rejuvenated himself uh, with that really good display against our neighbours, Bournemouth. And then um, seemed to take it into this game and, and continue where he left off. And uh, and a volleyed finish that perhaps Nathan Redmond might have snatched at, might have skewed, might have completely missed or fluffed earlier in the season, uh, buried it past um, Nick Pope. In a, in a game where there were some strange goals, I feel like it shouldn't really have been a 3-2. I think Vija's goal should have, Forster probably should have got something on that. I know he's backing off and trying to find his bearings, try to save it with his foot, doesn't work. I think Pope probably should have saved Armstrong's, neither of them right in the corner. And this one was another one where it's just hit so hard, even people on the line, including the goalkeeper, didn't even go for it. But um, some great persistence from Walcott and uh, and a really crisp finish from, from a man in form. Yeah, the, the goals, uh, they remind me of the old uh, FIFA games where you'd shoot pretty much from anywhere and you're thinking, oh, how on earth has those gone in? How's the goalkeeper not saved it? It was, it, 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 it seemed really quite strange and I completely agree with you. I thought everyone's saying it's a great strike from Vidra and yeah, it was a really good connection, but you're thinking Forster probably could have got his foot against it and maybe just tipped it around the post. And then, as you said, Armstrong's goal is not quite, not quite in the corner and it's almost skillful yet scrappy I think and it's a weird way to put it but you know you're completely right about Nathan Redmond uh, earlier on in the season maybe a couple of years ago he's completely skies he skies that volley doesn't get the connection he wants or it, it gets blocked but he is very much a confidence player he was unplayable against Bournemouth absolutely superb could have probably should have had a hat-trick against them and that's what it's, it's almost like Ings, it's just what he's needed. He's needed when he is confident, when he does want to take players on, then he's a real asset to the team. And it's the right time of the season to have that. Do you reckon it potential his his rise in form is anything to do with wanting a position in 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 playing in, in the starting eleven in the FA Cup final? Is that something on your mind, or is it just he, he just wants to play his football and it was just a matter of time before he, he got something and then the confidence was built? Or do you reckon players are putting in a little bit extra at the moment to try and put them in Ralph's plans for next weekend? Um, it's an interesting point. It's not one I've really thought of. I think I think footballers want to play. And I think Redmond um, had come in for extra sort of grief uh, online and from fans. I think he was, he was a bit of a scapegoat um, because his performances had dropped. And, you know, who knows? Maybe... Maybe Arsene Hutzel had, had seen that and, and said to him, you know, you need to be better or maybe they've worked on things. Maybe something, you know, I, I feel like the penny might have dropped with Redmond for, for whatever reason. And his performances before that Bournemouth game were some of the worst that we've seen for a while. And he hasn't been great. So I feel like something was going wrong and it wouldn't surprise me if something was put right uh, on the training ground or maybe maybe mentally with, with discussions with the manager or coaching staff. But... I feel like Bournemouth was the right game at the right time. Championship side, not one of the tightest defences in the championship and um, a level that was really too easy for, for Redmond. I think if Redmond played in the championship, he'd probably tear it up. 
Um, and that was a prime example. So you just saw or a couple of things happened for him in that game. Once the paper was lit, he was he was off and running. And with, well, I mean, with, you know, you, you talk about uh, the goal, the goal where he um, he left Steve Cook um, face, and that all stemmed because uh, the the left back followed. I think it was Armstrong completely crossed over his centre backs. They couldn't really deal with the movement of the Saints um, front four and Redmond would just ran into that space and got away from Cook. There was no left. If there's a left back there, he probably has to turn back. So yeah, a couple of things happened. And once they did, you could see that he got confident in some of the things he was doing, even the lead up to that, that goal where it came off the post and then he passed it in without going too much into that, about that game. He was just sort of, he'd receive the ball, swivel on the spot, lay it off. He just kind of an air of confidence and real belief in, in what he was doing. He's playing with that freedom, which is when he's at his best and, uh, and not afraid to get tackled when he goes after someone, you know, kind of playing in a similar way to what we're seeing Jesse Lingard play now or, or Theo Walcott or Armstrong, how they want, uh, how they, they play in those wide 10 positions. He's doing it off of Ings up front or, or Adams, whoever it might be. And he's doing it really well. So at the moment, I think he's, he's definitely worth his place in the team because you know he's a man in form and that coincides with uh, on an opportunity to play in an FA Cup semi-final which right now from a Southampton point of view you know there's a good argument it's funny how things change so quickly but there's a good argument probably for, from a lot of fans that right now you want you want Redmond in that starting 11 because he's the one making things happen. Absolutely. He's been playing so, so well over the past couple of games. And another player who returned to the team after a long time out, Theo Walcott, fantastic display against Burnley. But one thing I noticed if, from the game against Burnley is we had that starting eleven, And then for the first time in a long, long time, you could look at our bench and you just see there are options back. Stevens, Salisu, uh, even Yank Yankovic, who's been brilliant away uh, for the Euro under-21s um, for Switzerland. And then you've got Teller, Genepo, uh, Adams. I can't remember if there was any more. Minamino. Minamino, Minamino as well. So we're back to where we were, I believe, at the start of the season, where we've got our best 11 to pick from and a strong bench. It, it, it was good to look at. It was good to look at that starting a lineup and then look at the bench and think, yeah, we got people we can bring on and change the game. Yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't that good to look at 30 minutes gone. thinking <laughs> we've got a full squad and we can't bloody beat Burnley. But um, they ended up putting that right. I think the, the the worry also was for Ralph is that he's been talking about how they haven't had time. They've had too many games. We've had an international break and we've had time to work on things. And then half an hour into the game at home to Burnley, a 2-0 down thinking... What have we been working on? You know, I felt a bit for Walker Peters with the penalty. Um, I did feel like it was it, it was arguably a foul on him in the first place, mm. uh, which meant that he had to lunge in to try and block that cross. And, and obviously there was contact, but he had the ball and he was pulled back by Peters. For whatever reason, that wasn't given. Penalty was dispatched. And then the second one, I thought Bednarak really struggled up against Chris Wood. They'd obviously decided to play him off of him rather than the, the taller man in Vestergaard. But I'm usually more than confident that Bednarak, that's his meat and drink, you know, winning the aerial challenges. Um, and and for that second goal, it was route one, straight through the middle. Chris Wood didn't even leave the ground. He just, he was too strong, flipped the ball on, Vidra was in. And as we said, backpedalling, Forster, trying to find his bearings, trying to save something close to your feet as you're going backwards. Not so easy. But yeah, the boys got into it. And as we've said, we've covered the goals. Um, and it was character that I, I didn't, I haven't seen in this team for a long time. We've been talking about how they kind of, they seem to be quite mentally fragile and a um, couple of 9 nils thrown in there and the amount of points that we've given away from from leading positions. But this time there was a, there was a bit of belief and I think that was stirred by certain players and a little bit of leadership on the field. The likes of Armstrong getting that first goal. The likes of Ings, who, you know, anything's possible. We can always get goals with him on the pitch. Ward-Prowse, who, once again, seems to have put club before country and uh, and didn't want to miss a single minute of um, of Premier League football. And that's 101 games in a row he's played for us now. So these sorts of players stood up and they were counted and they should be given um, enormous credit for what they did in the last hour of that game. And now they go ahead to West Brom, sitting pretty on the on a mighty 36 points, 
or we've got eight games left. That, that that's like you said, with the sh- the pressure is off, and are certainly on the league. And although they'll be talking about one game at a time, they will all have in their minds that FA Cup semi final, one game away from a from a an FA Cup final, which is huge for the club. So it's it's it's, it's an interesting one. I, I want to ask you. Um, so we've got you mentioned we've got the players back. It's almost a little bit ironic now that the the big games are ahead of us. Everyone seems to be off the treatment table and on the training ground and, uh, and, and, and putting a hand up to be picked, which is great for Arsenal. How do you think it affects the league performances and the individual performances? Because there'll be a lot of players who want to take their opportunity, um, like Redmond's doing at the moment. You know, I think about maybe the likes of Gineppo, maybe uh, some of the other, maybe Minamino, maybe the guys, Che Adams, aren't guaranteed to start to really take an opportunity against say West Brom and, and, and put themselves in that semi-final and to play at Wembley how much of it is that and how much sort of self-preservation and, and with all the injuries we've had no one wants to pick up an injury ahead of a, a game at Wembley could you could you see uh, maybe some players pulling out of challenges and maybe not maybe not going 100% just trying to kind of preserve their physical condition or or will it be some who putting in an extra 10% and, and, and I suppose it depends on whether they're guaranteed starters or not. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. One person that you just mentioned, Ward Prowse, I don't think he's going to be pulling out of any challenges and, you know, he's played every single minute. Of course, it would probably be, you know, Sod's Law to get injured the game before a semi-final and that's the one that he misses. You, you, could, you could be right, maybe we'll see a less energetic performance against West Brom, but they're going to be players that really want to prove that they want to place in the starting eleven. Obviously, Minamino has no reason not to play if he was picked for him not to play at 100% because he can't get picked for the semi-final, whatever happens. So he he's someone who can just go out and play his game if he gets picked and if he starts. I reckon Theo Walcott is going to want to start at Wembley, represent Southampton, the team that he started at. Apart from Ward Prowse, maybe Ings, I think Walcott is going to be right up there as someone who will be desperate to bring a trophy back to Southampton and he would mark that as probably one of the, his greatest career achievements. I know he's played in the Champions League, he's played for England, he's played for Arsenal and he's played for some, some really massive matches but I feel for him winning the FA Cup back at Southampton would just be huge. I mean it'd be huge for everybody and obviously the main man would be Ward Prowse and he He'd probably dreaming about getting a free kick in the 90th minute in the FA Cup final. But Ralph is, is still going to want a performance against West Brom and it's not going to be an easy game. They've just beaten Chelsea 5-2, ridiculous scoreline. So Ralph is going to want to go into the FA Cup game with some momentum. We have a brilliant opportunity to do that. And, you know, if we won, if we then won the set, if we, if we win against West Brom, then we're on the back of three wins in all competitions on a, in a row, which is, we haven't seen that since last year that kind of form so I expect I, I expect everyone to really go for it against West Brom obviously the likes of Jenepo Adams they might want to push themselves a bit further Redmond will want to continue his good form he won't want to slack off and then lose his lose his spot because you know Shea Adams he was in a great run of form and he was only really rested because he's just come back off international duty what what do you think do you think do you think any of the players in particular are going to want to ease off a little bit obviously it's going to be in the back of their mind that they want to play in a semi-final but do you reckon, you know, they're professional players? Are they Are they really going, do you really fear that they're going to sort of back off that much? I wouldn't, it's, it's like you said, it's in the back of their minds, isn't it? I don't think, I think anyone's going to go out against West Brom and have it in their minds that they, they're guaranteed to start. So actually they'll just amble around the pitch. I think there's going to be a lot of competition for places. Um, the fact that we have a fit squad does change things because we're going to have players who are, are fighting for a position and aren't guaranteed it. You know, if we... If we were like we were earlier in the season, we had five five first team players out, and you look around and think, I could easily name our starting eleven because there is no backup. Then maybe it's a different story. Maybe Ralph rests a few more players. Maybe said players maybe don't push themselves as much, or if they feel something, they maybe maybe rest themselves. But I I think there are a lot of players, especially in the kind of attacking positions, that are fighting for a place and. You know, he mentioned the likes of Redmond. You know, he's fighting with Che Adams, with Nathan Teller, with Gineppo. Then you've got, obviously, Armstrong, I think, is a shoo-in, but 
you've got you know players like Minamino who can who can play in the league. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think the back five picks itself, and then Ward Prowse and Diallo picks themselves with no Romeo. Ings will be in the team. I think Armstrong should be, but I still think there are two, you know a couple of positions still up for grabs. I'm interested to think to ask you what you think will. Um, be the 11 that starts against West Brom because we still have one league game. The Burnley three points really takes the pressure off the need for points immediately. And that is a game on the Monday before the uh, the cup game on the, on the following Sunday. So it's a bit of a late one. Ideally for Saints, we would have had a Saturday morning kickoff. Not the case. With that extra day and with certain positions having a lack of... Um, a lack of depth. Do you think we'll see a kind of a mixed match? Do you think we'll see a lot of changes from the team against Burnley or will Hassan at all, like you said, want to try and keep that momentum going? So it's an interesting question. I Players, I wouldn't be surprised to see switched around. I wouldn't be surprised to see McCarthy start. Wouldn't be surprised to see Salisu make a start. You can't really change the midfield too that much unless you want to give Jankovic's another go. Armstrong can't really play two games in a week. I know they're sort of, they're still six days apart. So maybe he's still pretty integral to us. So I'd imagine he'd start, but probably would be taken off maybe after 50, 60 minutes or so. I yeah. feel like this season that, that kind of myth has been dispelled a little bit because that we seem to be playing two games a week every every week. And yeah. every time we seem to think Armstrong's going to get rested, he, um, he seems to be starting the next game. So maybe his fitness is improving. But yeah, it's a long season. I, I completely understand with a, such a big game, maybe you don't want to risk him. Certainly don't play the 90. Maybe someone off the bench. I definitely, I would definitely have Minamino start against West Brom. One, because what's the point of having him if we're not going to play him in the league games anyway? And this is a perfect opportunity to just take one of the attacking players out of the equation for the time being, rest, rest them up. I think you have to start Ings and then maybe take him off again like Armstrong after 60 minutes. If the game is won, might not be. We might it, The result is going to have pretty little bearing on where we finish this season. We know we're not going to... We're unlikely to get relegated and we're unlikely to finish in the top half. So it's just a case of what position do we finish. Do the likes of... Gineppo, Minamino, Teller, Adams, do they, are those the sorts of players you're expecting to start in an attacking position for, for the Saints? Because like we said, usually, I mean, I'd say the, the first seven players, you know, the, the goalie midfield, uh, defence and central midfield, pretty much sewn up in terms of who's first mm. choice. Then then you've got a, a few other players sort of floating around. Do you, do you feel like the likes of maybe even Ings after an injury, uh, Walcott, yeah. Armstrong, do you think do you think those ones will be rested and we'll see maybe the next the kind of not the reserve batch, but you know, I don't I don't expect Gineppo or Teller right now to be in our first eleven. Minamino can't be in the first eleven against Leicester. Do you expect all of those players to play? Because they're all they can all do a job for Saints. I would definitely not start Walcott. I'd leave him as an option on the bench to maybe use as a last resort. He's just come back from an injury and he showed how integral he is against Burnley, bringing the ball forward at pace. And I think that's going to be a real weapon against Leicester. He, I remember when we played at the King Power, I think he was one of our best players on the night, just trying to bring the ball forward as many times as possible. Sure, his final ball is lacking, but it's been lacking for his entire career. But I think that is someone that we could really do with Wembley. It's a large pitch. I know the dimensions don't really vary that much from ground to ground but it, it always it always seems like a, a giant pitch to play on and I think you know someone who can bring the ball forward at pace is exactly what we'll need against Leicester I think that's going to be a real I reckon that's going to be a real end-to-end -end game I don't see it being that cagey I think that both sides are suit we'll talk about it next week but I think both sides are sorted um sort of um so used to just counter-attacking football I think Adams will start and then obviously you've got to make a decision with Ings Redmond is now considered a striker so Maybe Redmond will start up front with Adams. And like you said, do you want to wrap do you want to wrap Ings up in cotton wool or do you maybe play him for the first 45? Let's let's not let's not beat around the bush. The FA Cup semi-final against Leicester is our biggest game of the season. So West Brom, it might backfire and they may, you know, they may beat us heavily if we don't get it right or if the mind's not on it. But 
as I said, the league position doesn't really matter. We're not going to go down. So, yeah, make changes if you want to, I'd say. It's really tough balancing that. I mean, you take Ings, for example. The more I think about it, the more I think he shouldn't he shouldn't be playing against West Brom. You know, what if we played... Ings has come back from an injury. Uh, what if he's, he's come back, played well, got himself a goal and assist against Burnley. week later, plays against West Brom, picks up an injury, out for two weeks, misses the Leicester game. We don't have our talisman. Just feel like the risk isn't worth the reward for beating West Brom. But the problem is not just with things, with everyone. Is you, whilst you whilst you want to preserve them physically, you you also it's at the risk of of maybe um, fizzling out some of that momentum and some form. Right now, Dan, you know, Dan Ings has come back and he's played brilliantly against Burnley. West Brom's a great opportunity for him to maybe get on the score sheet again. Suddenly, you've got a a, a real talent who's been looked at by some big clubs going into this game at Wembley in goal scoring form. You know, do you want to stop that? So it's, uh, I mean, we don't, we're not privy to the condition of Dan Ings um, and his injuries. Same, same with Walcott. But, you know, you can make that same argument. It interests me what he might do with the defence, you know, because I just wonder if, I would just wonder if we should bench both the fullbacks because um, those are the places, those are the positions we don't have any cover. You know, do you do you bring in a Will Ferry? Do you, you know, do you just do you bring in a couple of um, makeshift fullbacks? Because although it might cost us the game, at least it won't cost us an, an, a semi-final of an FA Cup. What about maybe putting Salisu at left back and then bring in Jack Stevens for Vestergaard or Bednarik or whatever? Exactly. So, so we, you know, although although not ideal, we do have some options. The other options you're talking about: McCarthy coming in for Forster, um, Salisu maybe coming into the team at, at centre back. I just, I'm not sure whether is it, again, it's, it's hard, and I don't know where I sit on this argument to be honest. But especially with defences, do you not want your defence, including a goalkeeper, to play as many games together as possible? Rather than, you know, is it a risk to, to maybe drop a Vestergaard, bring in a Salasu, and then a week later bring Vestergaard back in again? Bednarak will need to play differently alongside Vestergaard and he will to Salasu because obviously completely different players. So, you know, the goalkeeper as well, you know, Forster hasn't played a, a lot of games this season. So do you really want to be benching him? You know, what, what advantage would there be from playing McCarthy ahead of Forster. I think Forster definitely plays. I think the likelihood of a goalkeeper getting injured, you know, a goalkeeper can play every game. I think the familiarity with the centre-back pairing is is really important. So I think he'll go certainly with the centre-backs and the goalkeeper that he wants to play at Wembley. I just wonder if someone like a Walker-Peters will be rested, especially considering he's not long been back from injury. We saw what happened before he comes comes in, goes out again maybe bringing in someone else in that kind of area and maybe playing someone like Jankovic. I'd be more than happy to see him play against West Brom. But, the, you know, the argument again is is Diallo and Walprouse haven't played that many games together. So it's another opportunity for 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes where those two can familiarise themselves on a, on, on a match level once again, playing together before going into the really big game. Where, where do you sit on that kind of debate of of physical condition versus momentum and kind of familiarity. I think no matter how many changes we make, if we make any, I think you're going to still get a high level of performance because, for example, if you take out some of the key players, maybe take out innings, whatever, and put in sort of the, the, the second string, as it were, those players are going to be desperate to show Ralph that they could possibly play a part at Wembley so you're still going to have whoever comes in Jenepo will be really wanting to impress Ralph again against West Brom they showed against Chelsea that they're good going forward but they've had a, a couple of defensive injuries they're now they brought on Callum Robinson but it, they only were really playing with three defenders at the time so they definitely have a defence to get at so I don't think taking them out of the equation for one game is going to do much harm to a particular partnership because it's one game out of well Bob Browse and Diallo have played together now probably for about three or four games in a row. I don't think having trained together, they train together every week. They play, they they know each other's game. They could, there's always room 
always room for improvement. But I don't think a game, missing one game is going to make too much of a difference to the, the partnership between them. Bednarik and Vestergaard, they play, they play together so many times. Uh, but I, I agree. What yeah. Then what are you expecting for the eleven, or, or what would you, what would you like to see for the eleven? You know, what if what would you, what would you want to do? West Brom is sort of a, f- I want to say free hit, but that makes it sound like it's playing against uh, Chelsea or Man United or something like that. I, I I agree with you that Forster should probably play just for some kind of consistency. Walker Peters, I definitely. Now that you've mentioned it, you know, our right side attacking wise loses so much quality when he's not playing so I would definitely be for resting him maybe putting in a putting in a Ramsey I think you bring in one of Sally Sue or Stevens I don't think you play both unless you're going to play Sally Sue at left back War Prowse and Diallo I'd keep although the idea of Jankovic having a go and a turn to impress against a team that is not Manchester United would be quite exciting I wouldn't have Walcott I would keep Armstrong Minamino and then up front maybe Maybe Adams and Redmond. Yeah, I think I think probably I think I I think I would rest both fullbacks. Um, and Kane Ramsey is a, a, a really good point. I think it, Kane Ramsey is more. I'm more than happy to play him against West Brom. I think it's a perfect opportunity with no real pressure against um, a team that you know they scored five against Chelsea last week. But yeah, they, they look like getting relegated. I play Forster. I play Salasu at left back. I feel with Ramsey at right back, Vestergaard and, and Bednarak again at, at the back. Actually, you usually keep your centre backs and your goalkeeper. I would play War Prowse, and that's the hardest one. Do you do you risk Diallo getting an injury, or do you play Jankovic? I reckon you could throw Jankovic into the mix because he played really well the under twenty one Euros. And he, he had really high praise. And he, they said, I think, I can't remember where I read it, but he will get his second chance at some point. So there's no better place than for him to start against West Brom in a game that has very little bearing on where we're going to finish. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not hesitant about putting him in the side. I'm hesitant about taking Diallo out of the side with an FA Cup game on the horizon because, you know, Diallo has been in and out and I feel like keeping his match fitness. Um, and I still do think, you know, although you said they played a few games together, it's still only a few, Diallo and Ward-Prowse, over a long season. Um, with him coming in and out, I just wonder if another game in which those two might dominate the midfield, play really well together and then go into a game against Leicester with a real kind of confidence and uh, and a responsibility and, and some real momentum. So I, I, f- I feel like I would go with Diallo. And if he does get injured... I wouldn't be that worried about bringing Jankovic in at Wembley if, if, if that's what we had to do. Um, you've also got the you've also got Armstrong as an op- option. So mm. yeah, I think I'd play them both. Probably maybe t- maybe take maybe take one of them off after an hour. Then I'd mix it up with the front four. I'd I'd, I'd rest Ings. Thinking about it, I don't think Danny Ings is the sort of player that needs a goal against West Brom to go in confident against Leicester. You know, we saw what he did against Burnley after timeout. He, he doesn't, you know, the only, re- the only way he's not going to affect the game for us is if he's uh, not on the squad because he's injured. So I'd, I'd rest him for sure. Um, I'd rest him for the for the game at Wembley. I'd have, um, I'd probably rest Walcott as well because he's only just come back. I'd rest Armstrong as well. I think this is where we'd rest some players because Armstrong, but I don't want to burn him out. But yeah, I'd play Minamino. I'd play Redmond again with Adams because I feel like Redmond is a player that it would be good to keep that rolling, yeah. keep the ball rolling, get another goal maybe for him. And someone like Nathan Teller, yeah, as you said, would be would be perfect to bring in. Or Gineppo, you know, Gineppo or Teller, either way, you know, maybe play a bit of a game each. I think that's the sort of team we'll go with. And and looking ahead to, uh, and don't get me wrong, I think that's enough to beat West Brom. Every every game's hard, but I think I think that team can go and get a result of the Hawthorns. And then that leads us into, into Leicester. And we'll talk about that next week, obviously with that game on the horizon. Talking of, of Leicester, a kind of a, a little bit of a segue into um, a bit of transfer talk, that which is something that we haven't been able to do for a while. And I know that left back is one of the positions that has been up for debate recently. And Ryan Bertrand's name has been linked with a sort of a long-standing admiration from from Leicester. Saints being linked as well with him with his with his contract running out soon. They've been we've been linked with. 
Rico Henry at Brentford, but there was a lot there was a lot coming out, and I saw from um, Dan Shoud and Tom Leach recently that uh, are quite a few positions that Saints are looking to make moves on in the summer. I think it's going to depend on what money comes in, namely from Ings, if, if I'm honest. I think that caveat was in the small print at the bottom of that list. I think we're talking about bringing in a left-back, first-choice left-back, talking about bringing in one of the Williams, either from uh, Manchester United or Liverpool, as, as, as a loan option to play either side, and uh, and to shake up the attack with uh, with a, an under-23 striker, among other things. So what, what, do you, what do you think, looking ahead, do you think it's a summer to look forward to for Saints, or could you see us, by the end of it, having lost a couple of key players and not having seen any cash um, really flashed from the from the owners as per obviously the most likely player to leave is is going to be Ings I think we've come to sort of accept that for quite a while I feel I feel like the Bertrand contract saga will be resolved I think he will stay at Saints maybe it's just not being sorted just yet I think Theo Walcott is pretty much nailed on to be a part of the squad next year but then he brought in that's not going to be any significant outlay. Well, there seems to be this with Bertrand, it's an interesting one because it doesn't seem that Bertrand has been holding anything up. He's come out publicly and said how he wants to stay here, he wants to retire here, he wants to then go into um, into maybe a coaching role with the club, and still no deal has been signed. So, whether that's an agent thing or whether the club maybe don't see Bertrand as the left back moving forward I don't know but um, Rico Henry is one that's been mentioned recently but on that list it seems to be like I said back up full back on either side mm-hmm. and then a first choice left back Rico Henry is obviously he's played really well for Brentford I th- signing you know covering full backs is got to be a priority I mean injuries we know that injuries to Bertrand or Walker Peters leaves us in a really sticky situation um, especially on the especially on the left side. I mean, well, both both of them. We don't we don't have we don't really have cover for them. Jake Vokens has not had a good time at Sunderland and seems to have some sort of medical condition. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was something related to to COVID. And obviously, Jan Valerie at Birmingham, we probably no future for him. So, signing backup fullbacks or even first first team fullbacks should be a real. A real priority and we've been crying out for it for quite a few years I mean we got Walker Peters but then we lost Cedric and Valerie's not up to it so we're sort of back to square one with just one first team fullback and that's in that position yeah I mean if we did if we did go and spend money on on Rico Henry who if I'm honest I'm not sure we will because he's going to cost money um Rico Henry and I don't that's not really something that we've been renowned for doing recently spending much of that but if we did get him and then we got a Brandon Williams or a Nico Williams on loan, then suddenly we've gone from having no depth to having exceptional, I'd say top four depth at fullback. Yeah, yeah if Burton's there, Walker Peters is there, then you've bought a really, really promising left back in Rico Henry. And then you've got Williams from yeah, Brandon or Nico. I'm not sure we'll be able to, I'm not sure we'll be able to pull one of those in on loan because they'd, they'd want to start and suddenly you've got real competition for places in both those areas so I think I think personally if Saints kept Bertrand and Walker Peters and managed to sign Nico Williams or Brandon Williams on loan I think we'll be in a good position going forward because we'll only be struggling at a time where both of our first choice fullbacks are injured and that only happened once in that game against Arsenal. So I yeah, I I if Bertrand does go it and then we bring in Henry then great, but I think having Walker Peters having a first choice left back and then having someone on loan who can kind of cover both positions and and also not just cover but but push to start in either position I think is um, is something we we're, we're pretty desperate for. There's one circumstance and I don't want to think too far ahead, but there is one sort of turn of events which would flip the summer on its head in terms of recruitment because if we did do the the incredible and won the FA Cup we'd find ourselves in the group stage of next year's Europa League with <laughs> a top with a tiny squad uh, well, yeah I mean that could spell some serious trouble because I don't see us in any circumstance I don't see uh, us going out with an open checkbook in the summer or, or, or going and getting six or seven signings 
um, of quality. So I, I, I think uh, Europe is not something that we're desperate to achieve right now because I think we've seen what happens to teams in Europe with small squads. We've seen what happens with their league form um, and it can often spell trouble. However, you know, if that's a byproduct of winning the FA Cup, then that's something we're just going to have to deal with. But uh, yeah, we are looking ahead of ourselves a little bit. Just wondering where else, you know, if we, if we, we're looking a little bit further ahead, but I suppose we've only got eight games to the end of the season. Where else do you feel, you know, in an ideal world, Saints will improve? You know, if we if we brought in a, a, a cover at fullback, you know, it's it's the most ne- necessary position for a transfer, but it's not exactly the most glamorous. Are you are you looking uh, at the other end of the pitch? You know, there's talk about shaking things up by bringing in an under twenty three striker. I don't know how much that would be shaking things up because that seems to be the kind of age of, of player that Samson are bringing in under Ralph anyway. And to be honest, I think the shake-up will be more the fact that, that Danny Ings will be um, will be off somewhere else to pass as new. What, what are you thinking? Obviously, it depends on players leaving, but ideally, any names that you'd want to chuck out there you think Saints should be looking at? Maybe an Argentinian free agent in the summer, maybe a swap deal. Ings goes to City, we get Aguero. No, um... But in an ideal world, it, names that stick out, it's definitely looking for a new striker because Ings goes, even we, even if Ings stayed, like Adams, Redmond, we've seen that Ings being injured, one of them being injured, and we seem to lack goals up front. Theo Walcott is a really good signing. However, he'd be, what, a 32, 33-year-old striker who probably won't last the entirety of the season fit and to get in someone exciting up front. Names that come to mind, Ivan Tony would be the dream really however I think he's probably going to go to a bigger club and a club that can throw a bit more money at Brentford than we can offer another the same goes for I think it's Dakar at Red Bull Salzburg who's doing fantastic a lot, well. lot of talk on social media about about wanting him don't know how much of a no a, a link there's been but certainly uh, I think that would be one, a fan favorite if we managed to pull that off yeah so one of those two I mean just trying to think of other strikers who maybe in the lower divisions who are doing exceptionally well at the moment. I think Ivan Tony goes to, I think Ivan Tony probably goes to West Ham, uh, European football, a real good shot of getting top four football, not afraid to throw a checkbook out and having just done a, a deal with Brentford for Ben Rama might also put them in good stead. But does seem yeah, like the only thing being that if, uh, if they do qualify for, for Europe, they might go for West Ham and, and try signing another um, another foreign acquisition, a, a real flop up front, as they've had sat previous with, yeah, and Shamak or Allah or someone like that. So I wonder if they get Champions League, might they turn their nose up at someone from the Championship? A couple of more names that come to my mind, and that depends on whether they get relegated or not. Matthias Pereira at uh, West Brom, Adeloma Lookman at yeah. Fulham. If Newcastle go down get Callum Wilson, your namesake, playing for the team. That'd be quite odd commentating on on yourself next season. But maybe maybe even San Maxima, if Newcastle were to get relegated. There, there's, there's, there are some quite decent players that stand out from teams that could go down. Well, no one from Sheffield United. Uh, but certainly... Someone, that, someone put something out on Twitter. Um, who, who do you want? And Dakar came up a lot, Ivan Tony, And I, I just put Adam Ola Lookman as, as a comment because he's someone that Ralph's worked with before. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, with Fulham. I believe he's on loan from Everton, though. So he's still an Everton player. But either way, um, if, he's, if he's not playing for Fulham in the Premier League next season, certainly someone that, that we could bring in and play on that, on that wide left position that I still think is up for grabs. And he gives us something different. And he has been, he has been fantastic. The goalkeeper position is a really interesting one. And like you said, if Danny Ings does go, really depends on what kind of money we get for him. Because Ivan Tony is going to cost a lot of money. You know, you think you think that Brentford sold Ollie Watkins to Villa for 30 million just last summer. I think they'd be looking for something similar for, for the top scorer in the championship and Ivan Tony. So Newcastle fans must be spitting feathers knowing that they uh, they let him go uh, to the lower leagues. Uh, absolutely. And I don't see Saints spending over... 20 million anytime soon if I'm being completely honest so it's going to be it's going to be, have to be smart buys if we're not willing to spend over 20 million 18 million then it sort of, it really does cut down on the players available for us because as you said 
Tony is is going to go unless Brentford can get promoted, and even if they do, he's probably likely to go. Then it is going to he is going to cost a lot of money, and there's going to be a lot of higher clubs who are ahead of us in, in the pecking order. I think we will sign a striker. I just don't. It, again, it depends on as you said how much we can get for rings. Which, if I'm being completely honest, I don't see being any higher than thirty million for someone who's in the last year of their contract and coming up to thirty. Yeah, I, I think we'll do well to get that. If I'm if I'm totally honest, yeah. I think I think if he hasn't signed by the end of the season into the summer, then teams know that he's he's there to, he's there to be had. And if they wait a year, then it'll be for free. So I don't think we'll be getting offered uh, big money. I think twenty five would be reasonable for us. I think we I think we you know probably bite your hand off he's worth more than that but the contract situation is what it is it's interesting really i think backup full back on loan i think a striker to replace ings and also i also have a, a have a suspicion that um they've got a goalkeeper lined up as well i think at the moment they're trying to fill that position between two goalkeepers that ralph doesn't really believe in i think they'll bring in someone who who can play with his feet as well and um i i think they're already eyeing them up maybe sort of you know Seven, eight, nine million—that kind of range. I know we've been linked with some some players um, abroad, some some in the Liga. So, yeah, I, I think maybe those three, and then depending on what else happens, you know, if Bertrand needs replacing, then someone else. We've got so many wingers, so many uh, midfielders. I, I don't know if he'd want to go looking there. If something comes up, some real quality, then maybe. But we've just bought in Diallo. Um, yeah, I could see maybe two or three signings. And, and, and then being in those positions and then really replacing whatever we lose. And I don't see us making Minamino a permanent... If we were offered the opportunity to make it permanent, I don't see us taking us take us taking up on that offer because it's going to be quite expensive for a player who's made very little impact. I mean, he scored a couple of good goals. He's a decent option. I haven't seen enough from him. I guess it's a bit. that's a bit harsh considering a couple of games have been FA Cup matches, so he hasn't even been able to play in those ones. But... Yeah, I think it, I think it will be a sort of a summer of change. Nowhere near the summer of change that we had when Kuman first arrived. But it's going to be interesting to see. It was, uh, one quote that, from that article that I did I, that did stand out was the fact that they have a couple of deals which they hope to have over the line before the end of the season. So it'd be interesting to know, well, find out what what players those are. Whether that's Walcott signing permanently or two people coming from, that we haven't oh, had in the press. One of them, Walcott's yeah. definitely one, and and I wouldn't be surprised if the other one was was a goalkeeper or someone to replace maybe a Bertrand or an Ings, knowing that they're going out. I don't think something, uh, or a you know a, a young player. Yeah, but I, don't, I wouldn't get my hopes up too much with this this board um, at the moment. I don't want to talk too much about the money, but they don't seem to be able to get things over the line. You know how much we struggled to get a fullback in January when we knew all season we needed one. Um, and they struggled to get a loan in. So, yeah, before the end of the season, having anyone apart from Walcott signed, I would I would be massively surprised. I just hope that, yeah, maybe I'm wrong and maybe they've actually got their arse in gear and thought, right, let's get something done early. Let's make a start early because it was an absolute farce what happened in January and it wasn't much better in the summer. So I'd, I'd, I'd suggest that hopefully they've been on there game and, and scouting things and, and trying to make moves for a while but at the same time depending on their um depending on their targets other clubs probably don't want to talk about that until the end of the season so we shall see we shall see if you have any suggestions for the podcast is it, who do you want saints to sign then please leave a comment underneath the episode uh we'll of course be back next week where we build up to just a small game at Wembley against Leicester City and a chance to play in the FA Cup final. We're really excited for that. Uh, if you want to find the podcast, you can find it on Twitter at under underscore Saints. You can find myself at T214Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson 21 And if you are taking part in our Under the Lights Fantasy Premier League uh, competition, if you scroll down to the uh, bottom, you'll find, uh, you'll find Tom down in those reaches. And if you scroll to the top, you'll find it. I finally managed to make my way uh, to the to the summit, uh, and uh, I'm I'm very happy uh, with that progress. So, that, Tom, looking at your team, I don't think you've played for a considerable amount of months. 
<laughs> it has it has been it has been a while. Who who do I have? Do I have just injured players left, right, and centre? Just in the. <laughs> I think so. I mean, you're not you're not bottom. Um, I think someone gave up a long time before you. Oh, that's good. But I've been I've been, ch- I've been chasing down uh, Mitrovic from Southampton Delivery Podcast for a while. Our, our, our friends there, and uh, and I've uh, I've managed to overtake him. But you've you've got let's have a look now. Just opening it up. You've got uh, James Justin has been in that team uh, presumably for a while. He uh, he didn't make the cut. He was he was injured this season. Yep. Uh, this week this this month. I mean, it's not too bad, really. I mean, you've got Nico Williams, who maybe that's a hopeful. Maybe you just want to see him on the same team as uh, as James Will Prowse as you've got here. But yeah, McCarthy in goal hasn't played for for a good while. Gabriel at the back. Yeah, you, you've got a couple. Captain Harry Kane this week, so you've uh, you've uh, you've kept up there. Fifty-five points. Too bad, actually. Tom, is it? Oh. I need to check up on the team. Maybe see if I can get, make a uh, a late break for lower mid table. Uh, wow, you, you're um, yeah, yeah, you, you're catching up. You could be in the top forty. I mean, there are only forty two teams, but you could be. You could make a break for the top forty. So, what do you qualify for? That do you get a wooden spoon. Uh, you're allowed in next next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed in next year to make a team and then not touch it for the next thirty eight weeks. <laughs> If you've entered into our fantasy uh, fantasy league, do have a look at the table, and you can see Callum with the crown high high up in, at, at the top, and obviously me just holding up the rest of you. But that's what I'm here for. It's it's, it's a nice way to just bookend the table. One one presenter at the top, one presenter at the at the bottom, and then you know our our um, elite followers in the in the middle in the middle. Anyway, that's it. There's still there's still time. There's still time. Uh, and the Southampton, yeah, Southampton Delivery Podcast. I never realised until just now that that's who I've been chasing all this time. So, um, Matt, if you're listening, you, uh, it's over to you, mate. Ball's in your court. And all we can tell you now is just to stay safe, stay wonderful.